so um, I cannot stall any longer. Here we are. We are going to continue in our sermon series in Hebrews, where Jesus is greater. That is the theme. You will hear it repeated over and over again. You'll hear it spoken during our worship. Um, if you're wondering, it feels like, wow, Sam talks about the same thing over and over again. That's because you cannot talk about Jesus anymore. Uh, uh, and so Jesus is greater than. And so we started with um, how Hebrews started, really, that, that Jesus is greater than our circumstances. Jesus is greater than our doubt. That Jesus is greater than our feelings. Man, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I, I don't know if you're like me, but like I struggle with my feelings. Anyone else? You know, like, sometimes my feelings are all over the map. Especially, honestly, this time of year, when there is a lot of gray, it really, really affects me, right? So I, I do things naturally, like I take D3 and, and uh, I actually don't even remember what else I take. I don't, actually, I'm making it up. Is it D3? I don't even know. Anyways, I take something. It's really small and stuff. And I, and I do the things that, you know, that help me physically. But also, I am aware that that uh, t certain times of the year, especially in the beginning of like when it, we're in a string of rain forever, right? That, that I can't trust my feelings. And, and, and there's a faith where it says, you know what, Jesus is greater than how I feel right now. Jesus is greater than my doubt. That actually the truth of who God is and the truth of who he says I am is actually greater than my experience. And, and I think a lot of us can agree with it, but I think that's easier said than done. I think sometimes we try to overvalue our experience or we try to give weight to or, or, or give leverage to our experience. And we actually call our experience things like research. And, 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 and we need to understand really quickly that our experience is less than, that Jesus is greater than our experience. Because our experiences vary. I mean, they're up and down. And, and if you feel like sometimes your Christian walk is a lot like a roller coaster, or, or man, if you're old enough, a swing set. I can't swing on a swing anymore because... I, you know, I immediately get nauseous. Anyone with me, right? That, that if we're living life based on our circumstances, the ups and downs, I mean, we're just going to be spiritually sick. We just can't do that. That there needs to be something greater than the way we're feeling or what we're experiencing. And, and there is. And that is Jesus. He is greater. And, and so last week, we really established that the authority that, that Jesus has and how he is greater than those things. And so uh, uh, in the first few chapters, we're going to continue reading in Hebrews, and, and we're actually going to focus on now, now who we are because of Jesus Christ. So, uh, so yesterday, yesterday, last week, uh, we talked about who Jesus is, now who we are. Um, if you're reading through the book of Hebrews, some, some of you like to do that when I do a book series, um, you'll notice a continuous theme where uh, angels or prophets are brought up. Um, the, the main audience here is Jewish believers, but the church was made up of both uh, um, um, kind of Greek or, or sorry, uh, the Bible refers to them as Gentile, so non-Jewish and Jewish believers. That's what the church was made up of. But uh, the focus of this is Jewish believers. And, and again, the focus on, on angels is there was a prevailing kind of thing being taught that was a mix uh, of Jewish tradition and kind of Roman and Greek tradition. 
And it was, uh, it was to appeal to the different spirits. So when things are going bad, that they would look for anything for help. Uh, um, so if they were farmers and they were bad crop, there would be, you know, they would pray to the angels of the crops or the God of the crops. And they couldn't call them the God of the crops because they understood now that they are Christians. But they're still applying that same concept. And so they were, they were giving uh, angels and prophets kind of the same level of, of attribute as God. Uh, um, you know, uh, different but similar is our kind of our idea of, of saints. You know, uh, I don't know many of the saints, but I know like I think Saint Michael is a saint of traveling or Andrew. I don't know. Anyways, uh, uh, it, it's that that same concept where where uh, um, in a lot of ways uh, the people at that time it, to deal with the circumstances they were going through were, were were kind of mixing kind of beliefs, and so that's where that that talk is coming from, and why Hebrews one uh, kind of establishes this this idea of, of Jesus is greater than the angels. Uh, um, the author was speaking to something that was specifically taking place to the listeners at that time. And really how we can relate to it is we might not have those symbols and those things, but but really it's anything that we place in front of God. Everything we lean on or the crutch that we create or develop that takes the place of God as our help. Where I, I'm so desperate that I'm holding on to this thing where God kind of takes kind of the second place. Does that kind of, kind of make sense? So uh, even if it doesn't, we're going to continue reading anyways. Uh, um, We are going to read in Hebrews 2, starting in verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. So let's pause there. Again, continuing a little bit from the theme of last week, how Jesus is greater, and we are actually made in the image of God. Now, the author begins to highlight that, that we, just like Jesus, are made in the image of God, made a little lower than the angels. It's actually quoting Psalms, but in, I won't go into the background here, but he's using the term angels because, again, he's speaking to that, that, that not only is God greater, but understand who you are. And now the author is taking time to point out that we have been crowned with glory and honor. So this morning, to anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, who is a believer, is crowned by God with glory and honor. Now, the idea of crown means that, that it's, a, it's an identifiable position of authority that's given. That's what, when you crown someone, you're, you're, you're placing a, a, a um, position. This is who they are. Now, has anyone kind of watched Crown on Netflix? Right? Am I the only one? It's actually a really good series. You know, I actually know nothing about, so my only like real knowledge of that is from that show, The Crown. But, but you kind of see that, that you realize that The Crown really has nothing to do with earning, but it's kind of like you just get it, you know? That's your lineage, you get it. And if you're crowned, you're given authority, even if you're ready for it or not, right? We kind of see it with, you know, you know Andrew and in his ascent to, you know, having the crown to even Queen Elizabeth, right? She wasn't ready to be queen, but she was given that title. She was crowned queen, Right? And a lot of the show spends time focusing on how she had to earn the title she was given. 
this idea of crown. And we see the importance of it because if you look at the show, you, you realize that, that Prince, uh, Prince um, oh, what's her husband's name again? Uh, Prince Philip was never called King Philip. He was never given the crown because they understood that that, that would dilute the authority, right? They didn't want to give it to him. There's this tentativeness to it. So the idea of being crowned isn't something to be taken lightly. And even as it was written here, it's not a term that was used. You know, people didn't just go around crowning things. I crown you coffee, important in the morning. They didn't, they didn't do that thing. This just isn't, um, um, oh, you know, a, a, a title that's given. It's very specifically said. And so here, the author is, is, is quoting scriptures, quoting Psalms, and quoting actually, really, the Bible where it says that we are crowned, given this position of authority and position, given that by God. And why that's important is twofold, because we need to understand that first, we didn't earn it, so we can't really be that proud of it, you know, like, you know, I am crowned with glory and honor. And we're all crowned with glory and honor. Right? But second of all, we can't carry this false humility that we're not crowned with glory and honor. Does that kind of make sense? That we just can't walk around, am I actually worthy of God's honor and glory? Well, that's not even a question that you need to be asking because it's actually already given to you. You either live up to it or you don't. It's not a question of, does God give it? It's a question of, do you live it? Oh, I'm rhyming. But <laughs> it's the different perspective here. And sometimes, you know... It, a main theme I feel like in human nature, not just back in the Bible time, but even right today, is the struggle with identity. And sometimes we struggle with something that doesn't need to be struggled with. Have you ever done something that you just don't need to do? <laughs> I've done it at work all the time, where you work really, really hard for something, and then all of a sudden, like, oh man, I can remember in college, I'm writing this paper, and I spent all this time on, on like the opening argument and the table of contents on the, and it was beautifully aligned and, and, and it's like worth nothing to the paper yet like I spent all this time thinking it through and making it look wonderful ever do that and sometimes this, this struggle with identity that we go through just a lot of it doesn't need to happen there's parts of this you, you need to understand that you just are you as a believer are crowned with glory and honor now do you grapple with how to live up to it 100% I mean, there is that figuring out, how do I live like this? But the struggle is never, you know, am I good enough for it? That's just a struggle you don't need to have. And in fact, that struggle with it is really just kind of maybe a mask to hide that, you know, the real challenge is, do I actually really want to live up to it? Because that's a lot harder than trying to understand if you're, if you're worthy of it, because that's easy. You already are. I answered that question for you. So we are crowned, we're given uh, um, glory and honor. And if you look at this verse, then he says that God made everything subject to us. God made everything subject to us. Now that word subject means that, that uh, uh, to, it means to cause to obey. If we were reading the New Living Translation, it would use the word authority. And so God has made everything, he's, made, he's caused everything to obey us. So if you want a quick synopsis here, we are crowned with glory and honor, and everything is, it comes under our control. Crowned with glory and honor, and everything comes under our control. Now, if you read the second part of, of verse 8, 8b, yet at present, we do not see it. 
Now, is there anything more relatable to us right now? Can anyone here with full confidence say, I see this fully right now? Here is the truth, crowned with glory and honor, and everything is subject to us. Yet at this present time, we do not see it. Now, actually, this morning, as I was kind of going over this again, uh, um, I kind of just, I feel like I began to understand this even more clearly. That, that so many times, this is me personally, and maybe you can identify with this, and maybe this is you too, so you can own it with me, right? We, we look at the circumstances of our lives, and I say, there are things that are not subject to me, right? And I just wish I had more control, right? We kind of have this, this, this um, you know, borderline heresy joke in our family, like when, when we're frustrated and we'll say like, in Jesus' name, stop, right? As a, right? Mostly driving on the peninsula, right? In Jesus' name, pull over, <laughs> right? Whatever it is. But, you know, joking aside, we think about it. Why is it that I have so little control of the circumstances that I'm really trying to change? Because if it would just work like I'm thinking, then God's kingdom would come here right now. Like I have figured it out. So if I can just take control of the circumstance, then we're good. And the frustrating thing is there are like a million things in your life right now that is almost an exact number. In your life right now that you have zero control over. You cannot control the future. We can't control our kids. You can't control the choices of people. You can't control the weather. I've tried. You can't control, you know, you can do all these things to be healthy and then next tomorrow we can get this diagnosed. There's things we just can't control. So what is then subject to us? Where does my authority then begin to play itself out? As I begin to kind of praying this and wrestling this because I want to see God's authority, my authority, realized. I felt like God's saying, you know, where is it in your life? In the circumstances that you are going through, where is it in your emotions, in your attitude, and how you choose to respond and to live? If I use the example of one of my, my favorite analogies in Scripture, that we are called to actually produce in our life love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, uh, gentleness, and self-control. And against those things, there is no law. That, that I am actually subject, that, I, that I'm a, I have subject, I have control, I have authority over my feelings and, and my attitudes and my actions that don't reflect those fruit. That regardless of the circumstance, I can actually walk in love, not because I can feel the love, but because the, I, my body is subject to my spirit. Does that kind of make sense? That if you want to use a Christianese term, we use the word flesh. Like the Bible talks about flesh. And flesh stands for this, this part of us that, that is separated from, from God. And we know through Jesus Christ, because Jesus is greater, because he died and rose again, that that part of us, that flesh has died, and now we are made new, so that that old man is dead, and now the new man is no longer subject to what that old man wants. This is, this is scripture, and we're seeing that word subject, where before we were under control of the desires that rage in us, 
and now we're not, but now we are subject over those desires. That we actually hold authority over the very things that we struggle with. Now, if you were to right now ask any of my daughters that are here, what is that one fruit of the Spirit that your father struggles with? They will both have the same answer. And it will, Katie's laughing. I don't even know where she is, but I can hear her laugh. And, and, and that struggle is self-control. It's something that I've said and something that I'm working on. That I struggle with self-control. And the truth is, regardless of the circumstance where I am losing control, that loss of control is subject to me. I have authority over it. And that's what, that's, I'm practicing my authority. Is it working all the time? Katie, is it? No. It's not. But this is what I'm actually given power over. Are we seeing this picture? I, th- I feel like we're spending so much energy trying to exert control of the circumstances around us. Now, can we change circumstances around us? You know what? God moves in power. No. You know, and, 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 and there's healing, there is deliverance, there is instances and moments where through, you know, us coming in line with heaven and the authority given us, we change our circumstances. 100%. But in the greater picture, this is the authority that God's given us. That we do not live like our old selves. In fact, our old habits are subject to us. Anger. While I am in it right now, you are subject to me. And instead, I walk in peace. Peace is the authority I walk in. I am crowned with peace. We can begin taking that. This is who I am. I know I, this is kind of the thing I say to myself a lot when I have you know, lost self-control and I'm pounding back my fifth chocolate bar, okay? This is not who I am. This is just what I'm doing. Do you see the difference? This is not who I am. This is what I'm doing. I'm using a funny example, but begin to begin to apply it. What are the areas in our life where we're missing the mark? Are we defining ourselves by it? Or recognizing that that's not who we are? We're living below who we are. In fact, you have authority over it. Why does that matter? Because we got to stop assigning blame to the wrong things. Do we have an enemy? 100%. Is our enemy causing us to live less than the calling God has given us? No, we are. Is he helping it? Oh, yeah. Are we believing in life? Oh, yeah, there's, we don't have to get into all that, but understand this. We have been crowned with glory and honor, and everything has been is subject to us. Yet maybe we are not fully seeing it. That doesn't make it less true though, right? See, because Jesus and his truth is greater than our experience.
to the readers here. Fear, doubt, sadness, grief. I mean, you add it there. It's actually stealing their authority. And so, I mean, the question I'm asking myself this morning as I was praying was, Holy Spirit, what's stealing my authority? Not even what's stealing my authority. Who am I giving my authority to? Who am I giving power to? Am I giving power to my urges? Am I giving power to my weakness? Am I giving power to my frustration and my anger? See, not everything in life is good. It's just not, because this world is broken. Not everything in life is good. But this is the promise of God in Romans 8, that God works all things for our good. Now, um, I'm going a little off the cuff here, but I, I want us to see something here. If you, if you read Romans 8, I don't, I don't have it up here, but I, I encourage you to read it. Uh, actually, even if you start in verse 6, there's, there, there is in the very end of Romans 8 where God says, I work all things for your good, that the work all things is one word, and it's the Greek word uh, we use for synergy. We've got our synergy, synergeo, means synergy, means it's a partnership. And really, it starts in, 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 I believe it's Romans 6, where it begins to show our struggle over sin. How we, we through Jesus Christ, have overcome that. It's kind of our role. And then it talks about Romans 8, 1, that, that, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you know, because of Jesus. And we show Jesus' role. And then a little later on, I think it's eight seventeen or even before that, then it begins saying that even when we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit is actually interceding for us with groans and moaning. Like, it's this description of, of the great intercessor, the Holy Spirit. And, and then it says, now God works all things, this synergy of us and, and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit together are working all things for our good. There's so many things that we can't control, but this we do know. As we partner with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we walk in and everything is subject to us. He works all things for our good. Oh, you seen that picture? Hmm. <clears throat> so what does that look like? What does that practically look like? Now, the author saw that, and that's verse 9. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Now, Jesus is literally the example that Jesus was fully God and laid down fully his godhood and became like us. So when we read about Jesus, Jesus literally demonstrates how we can live here on earth today. The authority that he walked in and the way he lived and his power and victory over sin. All those things we read about is how we can live today. That is the mark. When I talk about sin and using the archery term, that, that sin is missing the bullseye, missing the mark. But grace means that we can shoot again. That mark, that bullseye is the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ. And when we fall short of it, we fall short of it, but then we can actually hit it again. That is the example that we're called to live. Not only is that the example that we are called to live, it's actually the example we can live in. And that's important because sometimes it looks like that's impossible, but that is literally the example of what it means to live up to being crowned with glory and honor. That everything is subject to us. The example is in Jesus. We continue reading. We're going to jump to verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, 
so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, which is all of us. Now, that word death is a fun one. So uh, who has watched uh, any of the Affinity Wars? Anyone? Right? If you haven't, you know, you're going to hear some spoilers, but, you know, it's been out for a long time, so kind of too bad. But um, that word death that's used here is thanatos. That's, uh, uh, and it's actually a borrowed term. It's, it's a Greek mythology, and that's where Thanos gets his name, Thanatos. And, and Thanatos uh, um, in Greek mythology stands for complete darkness. It's actually uh, um, uh, a forest that has got no life in it. It's dark, and there's no sound and no life. It's kind of where uh, in, in a lot of fables you get kind of the evil force. That's, that's Thanatos. It's death, absolute darkness. And it's actually a descriptor for hell. Uh, darkness still completely void. Now, in Scripture, Thanatos is specifically used um, um, kind of in two ways. And this verse actually shows both ways it's used. It's used for literal death. Darkness, nothing. That's what Thanatos means, nothing. Now, so if you have watched Endgame, uh, um, the writers of Thanos have actually expressed both meanings of this word in his character. One, he brings kind of nothing. And if you watch, when he snaps his finger, they call it the blip, where literally people become nothing, darkness. There's absolutely nothing. And then there is a part of Thanos after where he's in his home planet, where there's actually no joy to him. Even though he has done exactly what he wants, he describes that there is no joy in what he has done and there is no hope. And so uh, uh, Thanatos means darkness, death. But it's also a known metaphor to those who are hearing it that stands for spiritual emptiness and darkness. And actually, the way it's written in its uh, uh, syntax, used both in this verse, that Jesus, that, that, that by his death, by his Thanatos, it's actually a derivative of that word, by his death, he died, darkness. He might break the power of him who holds the power of this second death, this, this spiritual death, the emptiness, the nothingness. The metaphor uh, is known to be like in, in our lives, there is no light. That's what the understanding. And I, I don't know if you can relate to having watched someone in that feeling or having felt that before in a situation where you just, there just is no light. That, that I am just dead. I am spiritually, emotionally dead. There is nothing left. That's Thanatos. Now here Jesus says, I have broken the power of death. I have broken the power of this spiritual emptiness, the nothing. And now we have an enemy who continues to try to wield that authority over your life, that continues to try to tell you that, that you are nothing, that you are dead, broken. This is 
how it will always be. There will never be joy that you just don't deserve this. That is literally the enemy trying to wield an authority he no longer has over us. Death is subject to us. You see, Jesus is greater than that experience. Jesus is greater than that feeling right now. Jesus physically defeated death. Death, where is your sting? It, it doesn't exist. Though we may die, we know we live forever. That fear is gone. And he defeated that fear of emptiness. What if there's nothing left? What if, this was, it seems so funny thinking of it now, but one of my biggest struggles when I was younger, which was just a few years ago, I promise, <laughs> was if I actually change, then who am I? If I actually let go there, you know what I mean? Like go there? You guys, you guys get what I mean by go there? There's things that like I just, what if I actually deal with the thing that I hide with my humor and my jokes? You know, what if I actually go to the place where I hide with my toughness or my anger? What, who am I? What is left of me? That's Thanatos. That, that's darkness. And, and, and that has been broken as well. We don't have to fear that because we've been crowned with glory and honor. And everything is subject to us. And we're not defined by the thing that we're hiding or the darkness that we feel or the, the emptiness but we're defined by the actual spirit of God that lives in us. And it's reflected in love, joy, peace, and go on. So this is our authority. We can, with confidence, regardless of our feeling or our position right now, state that we are crowned with glory, that we have authority, that those feelings and those attitudes are subject to us, and that there is no power in death. Jesus is greater than those things. And here's the fun thing, because Jesus is, so are we. <laughs> I couldn't say it for a second. So are we. We are greater. You are greater. This isn't humanism because without Jesus Christ, we are not greater. <laughs> Do you understand that? It is through his death and resurrection. We are made in the image of God. That image was distorted and broken by sin and the consequences of that was Thanatos. But now, through Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, that when we believe in him, that image is restored. And now we walk in that image and authority. Maybe we're seeing that part of verse 8 that says, yet we don't see it fully. And so this morning, maybe I challenge you, 
Maybe you're trying to change your circumstances when God is saying, I'm trying to change you. Wield your authority to begin to change the areas in your life that do not reflect the nature of God. Use your authority to begin to, to, to tackle the very things in our lives that keep us from living up to the glory and honor that God has already given you. Wield your authority in areas where you say, I have no control to take control because everything has been made subject to us who believe in Jesus Christ. I can't, I don't feel, I don't, all those I don'ts, they don't exist. Those are just lies. So there it is. Choose today what we will walk in. Let's pray. So this morning, kind of like always, I'm going to pray for three groups. First of all, if you are watching or you're here and you have never made the decision to believe in Jesus Christ, there is an invitation that anyone who believes will be filled with his spirit and will be given the authority and crowned with glory and honor like I'm talking about. I want to invite you to believe with me this morning. And, and, and so if you're here or you're watching at home, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. And would everyone just pray with me just graciously so no one's left out if, if there is someone here doing that? Secondly, uh, this morning, I just want to pray that first, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to take an honest inventory of our lives. The areas where we have yet not seen things subject to us, where we've been living less than our position of being crowned with glory and honor. We want to call out those excuses. We want to call out those lies and begin living and releasing and declaring the opposite because we can't. We've been given that authority. Now, third, maybe you're listening to this. You're like, yes, I am all in. Then we want more. We want even more because, man, we need more. And there's more yet to come and there's more yet to see and there's more yet to experience. Amen? Let's pray together. First of all, I'm going to invite you, if you've never made a decision to believe uh, in Jesus, is an inv to invite him in your life. Uh, just pray with me. So Jesus, I believe in you. And I ask that you would fill my life. I turn from my sin. And I ask your help to live up to the glory and honor that you're giving me this morning. Amen. Welcome to the family. Please find me. I want to connect with you, give you some resources, and help you along with that as well. But now for the rest of us, Holy Spirit, I pray that um, kind of like, like David's prayer, we earnestly pray that you would search our heart, search our lives. Begin to reveal the areas where we have given up our authority. Even like as we go on this week, I pray that this would just be a more than just this morning experience. That throughout the week, Holy Spirit, would you open our, our, our ears to hear, our eyes to see what you're doing in our own lives the places that you are calling us to, to exercise our authority. In your name, Jesus, in our lives, we release the fruits of your spirit, the evidences that you are actually in our lives. Kind of like, like Acts, where, where you not only did you fill the believers once, but you just continued to fill them. And every moment they prayed, there is an evidence of your Holy Spirit coming down and filling. We need that filling. 
where uh, um, the flow of your spirit has been stopped by maybe our, our thinking or any that we don't need more. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just open the taps and it would just begin to flow and begin to continue to wash out, begin to wash out, refresh, Holy Spirit, refresh. We speak to death and we bind you and we break you in the name of Jesus. Death, you have no sting. Death, you have no authority in the lives of any believer. That we walk in life. Your word says, this is why you say, Jesus, that you came to bring life and bring life to the fullest. And that is exactly what we uh, um, claim and desire this morning, Jesus, your life. And to the rest of us, God, we want more. We want more. Less of us, more of you more of your presence, more of your spirit, more of your word, that we would walk even in greater authority, that you would help us to, to be like you, Jesus, in the, in that we would wear the crown like you wore the crown, that we would walk with authority like you walked in authority. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This morning, as we go, go in the knowledge of people crowned with glory.